everyone and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. This week on the podcast, we are looking at something really important when it comes to money, being an employee, the success of businesses, which is for the better of everyone, not just those businesses, like some try to say. In fact, the way we are looking at what is better for businesses today is a way that especially benefits the employees of that business, not just benefits everyone in the indirect way of making the economy better for everyone in that nation. But before we jump into that, let's take care of a few housekeeping things. If you like the Ana Money, please subscribe to the podcast so you can catch future episodes, give it a rating and review, and tell your friends about it. And if you haven't been listening since the beginning, look back at some past episodes and see if any of them seem interesting to you. If they do, then please download it, listen to it, and then PM me on one of these social media sites or email me at theonamoney at gmail.com to tell me what you thought of it. So with that, let's jump into the episode today. We are looking at part of the relationship between employers and employees, between businesses and those who work at those businesses. We are looking at how many people these days try to set up employees and employers as against one another, as fighting one another, but actually they should get along perfectly well and help each other out. That's where the title of this week's podcast episode comes from, Employers versus Employees. And I have to admit, the title is a bit misleading, since I am going to be focusing on how they are not against one another, but in fact, each one complements the other for the good of both. The purpose of that title is to get those who believe that to which I am responding to listen to the episode. Another title, like Employers and Employees Together, is not only longer, long titles aren't always great, although the title I have planned for next week's episode, if that is the episode I release next week, is actually longer than that, but I kind of have to with that. That aside, you'll get that episode next week. That would perhaps be too long of a title, Employers and Employees Together, which means for sure next week's episode is going to be too long. Whatever. You all will love it, and please listen to the episode I drop next week anyways, even if the title is a bit longer than I'd like. So, um, but not just because of the longer title, but also because employers and employees together might not get people who disagree with the idea to listen to the episode. With the title, Employers versus Employees, they might be more willing to listen to it. And if you are one of those people, then thank you for being here. I want you to listen to this episode to interact with the ideas. If you disagree... Tell me you disagree. You can PM me if you want to, but you can also comment on social media so that way other people can see how you disagree. Also, comments are good for the algorithm, so comment on social media posts. So what about the relationship between 
employers and employees are we looking at in this episode? We are looking at it more in general, how people today try to set up employers and employees against one another, as if they are mortal enemies bound to work together despite the fact that neither side wants to do so. That's how many people today seem to think about it. I saw this attitude a lot when I looked at the subreddit r slash anti-work and in preparation for episode 29 of the podcast titled Anti-Work, which you should go back and listen to if you have not heard that one. There were several memes in that subreddit saying that they only work for a paycheck and not for dedication to the company and that they would only give dedication to the company if they were paid more. We can talk about that specific outworking of the idea another time, but the presupposition behind that idea is that employees, in this instance the employees of whatever company who was posting that meme as well as those upvoting it, is against his or her employers. Another presupposition behind this is the Marxist, socialist, rich versus poor, oppressor versus oppressed narrative, where the supposedly greedy and evil rich are always just trying to get one over on the poor to get as much of the pie, a pie that they believe never grows in size, as they can for themselves. So based on those presuppositions and several other factors that we aren't getting into or this episode would go way over time, we see this setting up the employees and the employers against one another. The Marxist element of this as fighting between the poor and the rich must not be overlooked as the concept, especially as it has grown in prevalence in the U.S. in the last several decades, is possibly one of the largest factors leading to this conflict we have today. But is that the way it should be? Is this what is best for everyone? Employees constantly trying to put in the least amount of effort and still get a paycheck because their employer is part of the evil, rich, bourgeoisie and should be overthrown? I think everyone would say that is not best for the employer. It's not best for the company. That's kind of the point of why employees who think this way are doing it because they're trying to pull one over on the evil rich people they think are constantly trying to pull one over on them. But is that in the best interest of the employee himself? Are the employees actually hurting themselves by doing this? Why, yes, they actually are. When you put in minimal effort, that will show itself to your employer in one form or another, and when it comes time for promotions, someone else putting in more effort than yourself is likely to be chosen over you. When it comes time for your annual review and consideration for a raise or bonus, your boss is less likely to give you that raise or bonus when you have been putting in minimal effort than if you had been trying your hardest. The hard work is a sign to most employers that, if possible, perhaps that employee should get some kind of reward, typically a raise or bonus. Now, those who believe in the total depravity of the rich but not the poor, which is what many proponents of economic Marxism believe, probably not in theory, they don't explicitly say that, but they believe it in practice if you look at their actions and read between the lines of what they're saying. They would say that employers never give raises because they are evil, greedy, rich who just want to pull one over on the poor. Well, the employers are no more depraved than the poor, 
and they have no less common grace than the poor. So some employers, either because they are Christians or because God has given them enough common grace to see concern for others as a good thing, will consider raises for one reason or another. Even the most morally reprehensible employer, the one who actually does live out the evil things the Marxists accuse all the rich of doing, will consider raises for his employees because if he doesn't, they are likely to quit and work for the competitor who offers better wages. So even in purely selfish terms for the employer, there are reasons to give raises. So even if we give the assumption of conflict between employers and employees, there are reasons why it is in the best interest of the employee to not put forth minimal effort. Also, as a side note, if you really think that all employers are so bad, then go start your own company and work for yourself. If you can't, then that's why you work for someone else. Now here's the part where some, probably someone who has bought into at least a bit of one or more of the forms of critical theory, says that other people are oppressing him and that's why he can't start his own business. Well, that guy can be an employee for the rest of his life if he wants to keep blaming others for everything wrong with his life. Even if others legitimately are to blame for some part of it, although never all of it like many people in this category like to make it out to be, then learn from that difficulty, come out stronger, and leverage those hard times to help you provide a better good or service when you start your own business. But what I said in the last few minutes was going off of the assumption that there is conflict between employers and employees. And that even if that is the case, there is still reason for employees to work hard and for no other reason than to earn a decent income while you start your side hustle that you hope becomes your main source of revenue one day when it's big enough for you to do it full time. But is that a correct assumption? No, no it is not. I played along with it for a bit to answer the fool according to his folly, to show him that even if we grant his presuppositions, he is still wrong on his conclusions. Now I will show him how even those presuppositions that we briefly granted are wrong, showing how flawed the entire argument is. Employers and employees are together in unity, not one against another in conflict. Companies and their employees rise together or fall together. I'm sure anyone listening to this episode who has disagreed with me so far is probably especially disagreeing here with the concept that they rise and fall together. They're thinking that such a statement is easy to say, but that I need to justify it. And to you all, I want to first kindly thank you for listening and ask that you continue at least a few more minutes. I would ask that you listen to the rest of the episode, but at least a few more minutes to hear me out and let me try to explain a little bit and maybe even convince you to come to my side. Whether or not I convince you to come to my side on this argument, I would want to ask you to hear me out on the gospel. Look at some of the hashtag Evangelism Tuesday posts on social media. And if you don't come to my side on this argument, at least come to repent of your sin and believe in Christ as the only mediator between God and man. Businesses and their employees are not atomistic toward one another, or at least they should not be. 
sometimes they still are, and we will talk about that later on in the episode. But since companies rise together and fall together, the wise business owner or high-level executive should treat his employees well because that is in the best interest of the organization. Likewise, the employer should work hard for the company because that is in his best interest as an individual. They rise and fall together. Now, I've said that businesses and those who work for them rise and fall together several times. Just in the last few minutes, I've said that several times. What exactly do I mean by that? I mean that, generally speaking, what benefits one will also benefit the other, and what hurts one will typically also hurt the other. This is not always the case, of course. There are exceptions to most rules, which is why I said generally and typically rather than always. Generally, what is best for the company is best for the employees and vice versa. A company has its best year ever and it would not have been possible had the staff not been doing the best they've ever done and working hard. So the company rewards every employee with a bonus of one or several thousand dollars. Not one dollar, several thousand dollars, one thousand or several thousand dollars. That benefits the employees because they see their hard work paid off and they get some extra money that they were not expecting, which could be invested into the stock market or cryptocurrency or a side hustle to earn multiple streams of income, or it could go towards home repairs or paying off medical bills from a recent injury or any number of things. The organization's decision to give the employee a bonus during the good year definitely benefits the employees. But it also benefits the company as well. Sure, the company could give that bonus to be kind and generous to their employees, or they could merely do it because they see the benefits for themselves I'm about to list, but whichever the motivation, the outcome is still the same, and I do not think that either motivation is morally wrong. It benefits the company in several ways. One is that the employers saw their hard work last year paid off monetarily, as in, they got more money because of it. So they are motivated to continue to work as hard as possible, since that could increase the chances of another bonus next year. Another benefit to the organization is that it could cause an employee who was considering leaving the company to decide to stay. If for one reason or another he was open to the idea of leaving the organization but was still undecided and could still easily be swayed either way, a bonus, especially since more annual bonuses could come down the road, may be enough to cause him to stay at the organization. It costs companies a lot of money to advertise an open position, do interviews, train the new staff member, both in direct costs and in the indirect costs of a brand new person, learning the ropes is probably not as productive as someone who's been performing the task for some time. So the potential to keep employees who may otherwise leave and then need to be replaced is a huge benefit to the company when they do things such as bonuses that might sway employees from quitting and to staying with the organization. And that reason, and probably all these reasons I'm listing right here, apply to all sorts of different things companies can do rather than just bonuses. Uh, benefits. Benefits is a huge thing with this. Uh, providing more time off, paid time off, than the competitors and things like that. 
all of those are ways that not only just benefit the employee, but also the employer. Uh, so I gave a couple examples so far. Let's look at a third one. Another benefit for the company is that it could possibly lead to employees of rival organizations to want to switch to them. If your company is the only one in that industry that gives annual bonuses during highly productive years, or your company gives three weeks of paid vacation time where the other ones only give two, or different things like that, whatever you want to put in that blank there, then that could be tempting for employees of your competitors to want to leave them and work for you instead, especially if and when, because this happens for just about everyone from time to time, you're upset with they're upset with their employer for one reason or another. That is a benefit to the company because a former employee of your competitor should need less training than someone who's never been in that industry before. It also leaves your competitor having to fill a now vacant position, like we were talking about the cost with that a minute ago. And that person might have insights into how things can be done more efficiently or effectively that he learned from the other organization. But there are other things besides bonuses that a company can do that is beneficial for all parties involved, not just the employees. Like I just gave the example a moment ago of offering more paid time off than your competitor or things like that. Another one is if a company sees a particular degree or certification or licensing or something like that as helpful for an employee to have, then they may offer to pay for part or all of the cost of obtaining it. Now that may have some strings attached. Perhaps the employee has to sign a contract saying that he will not quit during the time he is obtaining that degree or whatever it is and then for two or three or whatever years after he finishes. Maybe it will have some kind of contract like that. Maybe it won't. Maybe the contract says if he does quit within that window he has to pay back part or all of the cost of it, but whatever it is, this benefits all the parties involved. The company gets a more productive employee, one who is probably also loyal since the company paid for him to get that degree or certification. And the company sees that better production that this employee should have with this newfound knowledge as worth the cost they paid for the employee to acquire it. The employee gets a degree that will follow him whether he stays at the company or eventually moves to a different one. And he will also possibly get a raise or promotion following the completion of the degree. And if he doesn't immediately, then he at least probably has a better chance of doing so down the road than he does right now. So there are many such examples of things like this that companies can do and many actually do in the real world, not just theoretically, which are beneficial to both employers and employees. The company and the worker stand or fall together. Typically, things that benefit the company also benefit the worker, and things that harm the company also harm the worker. If the organization goes bankrupt and closes its doors, the employee loses his job, so that's bad for both of them. A book by Reid Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn, called The Alliance, is a book that does a good job of describing positive relationships between employers and employees. I know there are more examples the other side can give that they think are reasons why the two are against one another.
reasons they feel this episode has not addressed. But hey, as much as I love Daryl and Virgil, the format of this episode is not to do three-hour-long podcast episodes. That's not the way Theana Money typically handles things. Very rarely do I even do hour-long podcast episodes. Now, I do occasionally. Last week's was about an hour long. But generally, the podcast is probably around 25, 30 minutes long, give or take, 5 or 10 minutes. So I can't answer every objection to a particular issue in an episode, especially one as broad as this, a topic as broad as this one is. So if you are listening to this and you disagree with me, then tell me some objections you have that you think I've not addressed and I can answer them in future episodes. I can do a part two, a part three, a part four, however many it takes to answer any objections you might have. PM me on social media, comment, email theonamoney at gmail.com. Then you can think of this as the episode where we look at the forest and those potential future episodes as ones where we look at the trees. This is the more general high-level overview episode, and those ones are the more precise, more exact, more focused ones. Anyways, now that we have discussed this topic in some length, I want to say this. Theana Money is a theonomic economics podcast, and this episode has very much related to economics, but not to theonomy. However, this episode still can in several ways relate to the faith, And theonomy is only possible as it relates to the faith, not a thing by itself. So it is important to relate anything related to theonomy back to the faith as a whole as often as possible. So far, we have been discussing in general employees and employers, not taking into account whether or not they are believers. But anytime either is a believer, and especially when both are believers, Faith comes into the picture of the employer-employee relationship. Scripture has some things to say about that, both directly and by good and necessary consequence. This, too, we will look at generally and not exhaustively because this alone could be an entire episode, or several of them, in and of itself. Perhaps for that reason, I will return to this idea and do episodes on it in the future. First, let's look at an indirect passage. By that I mean this passage relates to how all believers are to interact with one another, and so it therefore also relates to how believers interact with one another when one is the other's boss. Romans 12, 18. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It reads, If possible, so far as it depends on you, being at peace with all men. Or to make this verse that's part of a sentence be a full sentence in and of itself, be at peace with all men. That verse is a command for all believers, so it is especially important when both employer and employee are Christians, not just one or the other. That verse does recognize that peace is not always possible. Perhaps you sinned against the other person, and though you have repented and displayed fruit in keeping with repentance, the other person refuses to forgive or any other number of things. But as much as the believer is able to do so without sinning, he is to try to be at peace with everyone, 
This concept should lead to executives and managers trying to keep peace with those under them rather than causing conflict and vice versa. Some passages in scripture that can apply to the employer-employee relationship, though ones that may upset some people, are verses on the slave-master relationships. Direct slavery is no longer practiced in the U.S., though indirect forms of slavery is another conversation, but the employer-employee relationship has some level of correlation to the slave-master relationship. Not 100% correlation, of course, but there is some. So passages in scripture about how masters are to treat their slaves might have some implications for how bosses treat their employees. Likewise, verses about how slaves are to treat their masters might have some implications for how workers are to act with regard to their superiors. Let's read Ephesians 6, 5-9 for an example of both. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and the integrity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service, as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Serving with good will as to the Lord, and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do these same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. In my opinion, this passage seems to correlate about 100% to employer-employee relationships today without misapplying the text. You could basically replace master for boss and slave for employee there without doing any injustice to what Paul and the Holy Spirit originally meant. So those were a couple examples, one less direct and the other more direct, of passages in scripture relating to the employer-employee relationship and how they should work together, not be opposed to one another, especially when one or both are Christians. But what should we do when they are acting atomistic and against one another? And by atomistic here, I mean that they are acting in their own self-interest and not in the interest of others, which is the exact opposite of Philippians 2, 3, and 4. When people are acting atomistic, they are acting as if they are an island unto themselves and separate from everyone else. That is what I mean by that, each in his own self-interest without care or concern for the other. If they are acting like that and one behaving in such a way as a believer, then that person should be confronted if he is doing so in a sinful manner, neglecting others in a selfish manner that goes beyond just providing for one's family into sinful behavior. Matthew 18 can be involved here, which becomes much easier if all those involved at the company are members of the same church. If the person acting in such a manner is not a believer, then see what company procedures there are to follow. If the one acting in such a manner is a regular employee, not a manager or executive, then disciplinary action can follow, probably as laid out in a handbook somewhere. If it is an executive, then this can become more difficult and perhaps taken on a more case-by-case -case basis. Is whatever issue that's going on 
bad enough to confront, even if it means risking one's job? Is it something you think can be addressed, but that is best done slowly over time, maybe trying to more change the culture of the company to correct the issue? Perhaps also by working your way up the corporate ladder to not just get a higher paycheck, but to also try to fix the issues you see that you are not able to speak into at your current position. Is it something bad enough that you should quit and try to find another source of revenue? Or is it something illegal that should be addressed directly and brought up to authorities if no change is made? All of those are questions to ask based upon what the wrong behavior is, how severe it is, your position in the organization, the position of the one doing the wrong, your relationship with that person, and all kinds of other factors. Unless the issue is a small one, then the answer probably won't be easy, but those are just some quick ways to address that type of thing. So that was this week's episode of Theana Money. In summary, and maybe having a quick summary at the end of each episode is something I'm going to try to do going into the future. This episode responding to ideas that employers and employees are against one another and just about always in conflict. I responded to that and talked about how this idea likely comes from some Marxist presuppositions. It is actually harmful for both parties when things are that way. It is beneficial to both parties when they try to do what is best for each other. Doing what is best for themselves can actually be what is best for the other if they don't try to constantly fight each other. And believers have implicit and explicit commands and instructions in scripture that should especially keep them from such conflict and employment relationships. Employers and employees rise and fall together. They should not be fighting against one another. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace. Satisfies me Your law is sweet Oh you